good to be with you this morning. We're in Romans chapter 13, verses 11 to 14, where we're talking about putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's an interesting phrase, but, uh, but we, we begin by putting on His righteousness, His robe of righteousness, to stand righteous in Christ. We put on the character of Christ, the fruits of His Spirit, right? And as we are uh, robed in His righteousness and becoming more like Christ, we also put on, in a sense, uh, His purposes. We, we become, we are His people, accomplishing and pursuing His gospel and His kingdom and His priorities in the world. And we put on the purposes and the power and the good gifts of Christ. We're in Romans 13, 11 to 14. Here then the Word of God, where He says, besides this, you know... That the time, you know the time. You know that the hour has come for you to wake up from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone and the day is at hand. So let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness and sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and in jealousy. No, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Pray with me. Father in heaven, we have gathered to your presence this morning to give you our worship. That is to give you our hearts, our praise, our love, our very lives. Father, we have given it to you in prayer and in song, but even now as we sit at your feet and hear from your word, we ask that you would capture our hearts and our minds with the truth and the power of what you are saying and what you are doing in the world and in our lives, that we may wake up and enter fully in to all that you are in all that you are doing. For we ask and pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. In the 4th century A.D., Augustine, Augustine of Hippo, the famous Augustine, theologian Augustine, he was an intellectual. He was a professor of rhetoric. Um, he, was, he loved to learn and to, uh, and to indulge himself. He loved these two things. He loved the life of the mind and the life of the flesh. He was living a life of self-indulgence. And for years he was given over to this life of pleasure, even as he pursued in his, his knowledge and understanding. But it was in the midst of this that God is at work in his life, like he's been in the work of many of our lives as we pursue all kinds of things in life. God was at work. And because of his intellectual curiosity and God putting a hook in that, he brought him uh, out of his curiosity into a church to sit under the teaching of Bishop Ambrose. And so for some time, he would come week after week and listen to him preach and to begin to hear and to understand some of these things. He was toying with Manichaeism. It's an ancient heresy. He kind of put that aside and he began to come to believe in the reality uh, and the truth of the gospel of Christ. And he began to, to wrestle uh, with who he is and the, and the call of the gospel on his life. But at the same time, he was in bondage to his sin. He loved his sin. He, he did not want to let it go. He, he, he wrestled with this call of God to, 
to bow the knee to Jesus as King, as Lord and Savior, and he knew that that meant giving his whole life to Christ, and yet he did not want to stop living for himself, indulging himself. And so he, was, he would have this conversation with God. He, he's interested, he's like, but not yet. But not, not yet. In 386, he found himself wrestling with God. He was agitated and wrestling over these things, knowing what he's doing is wrong, knowing that he should give his life fully to Jesus. And he found himself on the ground crying out to God, how long is this going to go on? And he heard a little voice as he tells the story in his confessions. He tells the story that he heard at that moment. He heard a, the, the, a child's voice, a sing-song child's voice singing out. He was in a garden that had walls and, and somewhere in the surrounding there's this child, these children chanting. He says later, I don't know if it was a boy or a girl, but it was clearly children. children and they were singing this little phrase, tole lege, tole lege which in Latin is Latin, which means take up and read. Take up and read. Augustine heard those words in that moment of his, of his wrestling with God, and he heard it as a command to pick up the Scripture and read, and he did. He picked it up, and he read this passage. He read this, the passage that we just read. And it was the passage that, that God used to awaken Augustine, to shake him out of his complacency, to, to motivate him and empower him to, to repent and to turn away from his life and to give his life fully to Christ and to his kingdom. Verse 11, it says, besides this, you know the time. That the, the hour has come, the hour is now for you to wake from your sleep. He's saying the time, the time has come, the time is right now for the church to wake up from its slumber, from its complacency. Paul's not writing to unbelievers. This is a letter to the church. It's a letter to the church in Rome. It's a letter to the church in Christ. It's a letter to you. It's a letter to me. And this is a word to you and me. Paul is writing to the church, to Christians, saying it's time to wake up. Right? It's, it's time to rouse yourself from your complacency, your indecision. Sleep is a good thing. <laughs> Many of us love sleep. We need sleep. I heard, some, I heard some affirmation. Yes, I do love sleep. But out of its proper place, like so many good things, out of its proper place, it becomes a bad thing. Too much of it or out of its proper place, all the good gifts of God are a problem. If we fall asleep when we're driving, it's tragic. If we sleep through our classes, we miss out on the education we paid for. Right? There are a lot of places and times... I'm not going to talk about sleeping in church. <laughs> but the Bible warns us in Proverbs 20, verse 13. Love not sleep. Sleep's a good thing. But if we love it too much, we come to poverty. 
Now, that is true, as you would say, in a physical sense. If we're physically lazy, we don't get out of bed. We're not going to produce. We're not going to make it to work on time. We're not going to... We can. It can affect our lives. But he's also talking spiritually. It's very true in the same sense. Love, not sleep, or you come to poverty. Too much sleep becomes laziness. And Paul's speaking spiritually here. He's talking about a spiritual sleepiness, a spiritual laziness that comes. He's talking to the church, and they're reading the letter. They're like us. They're awake on a, on a Lord's Day morning, and they're together, and the letter of Paul is being read to them and to these people who are ostensibly awake. I don't know if you've had your coffee or not. But ostensibly, we're awake, and he says to the crowd still, you know the time, and it's time to wake up. He's talking about spiritual laziness, spiritual sloth, spiritual complacency. He's talking about being distracted and lost in other things when there are the things of God before us. We talked about this, if you remember, a whole sermon on this back in chapter 12. If you remember chapter 12, verse 11, it says, be not slothful in zeal. Remember these three phrases? We looked at each one. Don't be slothful in your zeal, right? But rather be fervent in the Spirit and serve the Lord, don't be slothful, don't be sleepy, don't be lazy. We should not be slothful when we should be fervent. We should not be sleeping when we should be working, when we should be serving the Lord. And so he says it's time to wake up. But how easy it is, I know I've lived long enough, walked with Jesus long enough, how easy it is, how often it is that we become absorbed in our treasures, in our pleasures, in our entertainments, in our pursuits, in all kinds of things that capture our time and our attention and our resources. And we are, oh, we're very busy about all the wrong things. How easy it is to move along into sleepy complacency. John Murray calls it the sleep of moral and spiritual apathy. Or the sleep of spiritual sloth. We're busy, but we're busy about other things, about the wrong things. We're, we're, we're not, not doing anything. We're just spiritually not focused in the right areas. He says, you know the time, right? That's how he starts it. Like, you guys, you're, 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 you're the people of Christ. You know the time. The kairos, right? In the Greek words, I mean, you know chronos is that chronological time. Kairos is that word that speaks of a, the fullness of time, a moment in time. The, the time coming to a, a, an opportunity, a moment, a, a crisis, a a particular time. You know, he says, this kind of time, this providential moment that carries a sense of urgency for us. We know the time. We know that time is running onward. There are some senses in which time is running out. Time is a finite thing. It had a beginning. According to the scriptures, in some sense and way, time in the world as we know it will come to an end. 
and be radically changed. And time, in that sense, is running out. God has a plan as he has created things. There were thousands of years before Christ, been a couple of thousand years since Jesus, and time is running on, and there's a very real sense in which time is running out. We don't know when Jesus is coming back. Every generation, everyone is, you know, is looking, is, he, is it now? Is it, it seems like it may be now. I don't know how you could look around and not be thinking, you know, maybe it's now. Maybe it's now, but it's not. It's soon. It's coming. It's, we're moving in that direction. It's not getting further away. It's getting closer every day. And so he says, this is the reason that church needs to wake up. For, because, right, verse 11, he says, you know the time, the hour has come, you need to wake up for, that word for is because, for this reason, you need to be awake as a church, because salvation, he says, is nearer now than when we first believed, right? The night is far gone, the day is at hand. Salvation is near. The night is far gone. And that day, it is at hand. Time is, he's saying time is marching inexorably towards its final conclusion. Toward what God is doing in the world. It's culminating in his purposes in all of creation. It's marching inexorably toward this, what he calls the, the fullness of salvation. He says your salvation is nearer now. And when you first believed, now that's true for every Christian every day of your life. Whenever you believe, the next day, your full salvation, your experience of all, your full inheritance in Christ, you know, is nearer every day. It's a little nearer than it was before. You're closer to the moment you'll stand in the presence of Jesus today than you were yesterday, right? Is that not true? And tomorrow, you're a day closer. Every day of your life, that you are closer to this moment when the fullness of your inheritance and salvation, when you will see him and you will be like him because you will see him as he is. And we will experience that fullness, that consummation. That day is at hand. Right? He's saying... That the day is at hand, that day, right? That day when Jesus comes back is at hand. It's nearer now than it used to be. The night is far gone, and the, that day is now closer. The world we know it will change. One of the last things that Jesus says, if you look at the book of Revelation, chapter 22, in verse 12, one of the last things Jesus said was, Behold, check it out, <laughs> I'm coming soon. Right? I'm bringing with me my recompense. That's good and bad. For, for some, that's very bad. But for some, that's very good. Your salvation is nearer than it was. Behold, I'm coming soon. And you're full, the fullness of your salvation is coming with me. I'll repay each one for what he has done, whether it's outside of Christ or trusting in Christ. That day is coming. He says, Jesus said when he left 2,000 years ago, it won't be long. And there is a sense for all of us in the shortness of our life, that's always true. It is always true. Whether, whether we pass through death and, and, you know, the next, in a sense, what we know is his coming. But we are closer to his, it's no longer than your lifespan away, in a sense, where that nearness to this event, I'm coming. 
We should live with that urgency is what Jesus is saying. He leaves us. He leaves us with this urgency. I'm coming. I'm coming with my recompense in my hand to judge the world and to gather my elect from the four corners of the earth. This is the reason, Paul says. He says, wake up for because the hour has come. Wake up from our indecision, from straddling the fence, from our complacency, from our mixed priorities. Who doesn't have those? From our self-indulgence, from our love of luxury, from our love of sleep, from our love of money, from all the things the Scripture warns us about. Life gets complicated, I know it. We get distracted, I know it. We all know the example, the illustration of the frog in the kettle, or if you don't, right? If you boil some water and you throw a frog in it, right, he'll jump right out. That's hot. That's bad. I'll die. Right, you throw a frog in hot water, he jumps out. But if you put him in cold water and turn it on medium heat and let it heat up slowly, he doesn't notice. He doesn't notice until it's too late. Right, it's that slow boil. It's that slow drift into how did I get here? Yeah, people say that. I don't know how I got here. It was a slow drift when we were not paying attention, when we were not awake, so to speak. It's easy in the normal course of life to drift into a spiritual complacency and confused priorities and worldly indulgence. And so God's call to wakefulness, this call to wakefulness written 2,000 years ago, this call to wakefulness is always present. It's an ever-present call for the church to wake up, to live like you're fully awake, to be alert, to live as if it's daytime, as if you know the hour, as if you know he's coming, as if you know there's a recompense, as if you know that these things matter, that life matters, your choices matter, as if he is the Lord, not just then when he comes, but now, in this moment, in your life, in your heart. This call to wakefulness, it's like the alarm clock that you can't get to shut off. And you would say, your phone, when you're pushing on it. Does anybody have an alarm clock? I still have one. We use our phone, but it's, it's the alarm that doesn't go off. That says, wake up, wake up, wake up. Get out of bed. Rise up. Leon Morris says he's drawing attention to the urgency of getting on with the business of living as Christians should. In view of the coming of the day. When they, when we should live wholeheartedly for Christ, he says it is time to live wholeheartedly for Christ. It is time. Now is the day. You know that day is approaching. John Murray says that it shows us that the significance of practical living in this world for practical godliness The significance for it is in the great truths respecting the consummation of the kingdom of God, the consummation of the whole time process. Paul is looking ahead, pointing ahead, saying the night is far gone, the day is at hand, Christ is coming, and he says this is the reason that we need to get serious about living our Christian lives. This is the reason, you know, for all the practical living that he talks about is in view of these eternal realities, these approaching cosmic 
cosmic events, this, the reality of the kingdom of Christ, it will be manifest. And so what gives urgency to practical Christian living is the coming kingdom, right? The coming consummation. And it's in some ways being coming and consummating now in our lives as we move to that day. And he says, wake up. Wake up and cast off, right? Verse 12, so cast off. The night is far gone, the day is at hand, so we need to cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Which is parallel to verse 14 where he says to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. Make no provision for the flesh, cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not only time to wake up, but we need to get dressed for the day. Right? That's what he's saying. Like, you got to take something off, you know, take off your jammies, your night clothes or whatever, and put on your day clothes, like your serious clothes, your, your big person clothes, right? You're getting down to business clothes, right? Get, get out of your, you know, your jammies. Too many of us live in our jammies. A change of clothes is required. You're going to put on the garments necessary to take up the life in Christ. To begin to live. To walk properly, as he says in verse 13, to walk properly as in the daytime. Properly dressed. Properly attired. For the business that is at hand. So we have to cast off the work. Casting off, this is, the casting off is the work of repentance, isn't it? Cast off the works of darkness. Like, repent. Of all those things. Repent of the things that are distracting and pulling us down and pulling us back and keeping us groggy and keeping us whatever to, right? It's the work of repentance. Facing and dealing with our sin, our self-indulgence, our selfishness, our self-centeredness. To renounce and to turn away from those things. To turn toward Christ. To turn toward the narrow way. To turn toward the pursuit of Him. He gives us three pairs of words. He says, cast off the works of darkness. And then he gives us these, verse 13, three pairs. Orgies and drunkenness, sexual immorality and sensuality, quarreling and jealousy. Right? Three words. It, it's interesting they choose in the ESV. I'm always interested in translations. In other, other places, it's translated carousing or uh, reveling. And underneath and behind it really is this idea of excessive feasting, partying too much. Is the idea, so put off your, your too much partying and drunkenness, your excessiveness in those areas, and your physical appetites, eat and drink, your indulgence of yourself in this, these things. So you got those words, your physical appetites, your sexual appetites, put aside sexual immorality and sensuality, and then put aside quarreling and jealousy, which are relational attitudes, and it's our attitude toward our physical appetites, our sensual appetites, and our relational appetites. Stop indulging yourself. Stop indulging ourselves. Cast off, most of these are, if not all of these are in the works. If you look in Galatians, where it talks the works of the flesh are these, and the fruits of the Spirit are these. All of these things in this list are in the works of the flesh. Right? And the opposite is to cast off these things and to, to put on the fruits of the Spirit, the armor of light, the, the Lord Jesus Himself. He's calling His church to wake up and cast off 
all of those things that are not in conformity to the life that is in Christ. He's saying walk as those who are fully awake, as those who see life's, in a sense, priorities in the clear sunshine of the coming of Christ. Right? To live life in, this, in the sunshine of the full knowledge of the risen, reigning, and soon coming King. And to live in that daytime with the armor of light, cashing off the things that belong to night into darkness. Jesus is coming soon. He's always coming soon. Our full salvation and inheritance are drawing near. So we need to live in the full light of these things. To rise up in a spiritual vigor day by day where his mercies are new. To live the life of the full life in his kingdom. Our repentance makes room for faith. Casting off the works of darkness makes way for the armor that he calls us to put on. The armor of light. Verse 12, put it on. Verse 14, put on the Lord Jesus. See, the Christian life he's telling us is not a laid-back civilian affair. He's told us that elsewhere. You're a soldier. The soldier doesn't get involved in civilian affairs. He only listens to the marching orders of his, of his commanding officer. But here, as he tells us, when you wake up in the morning, here when you come out of your slumber and your complacency and wherever we've been, what he says is you need to armor up which tells us that the business of the day is warfare, right? Is serious business, right? We're going to put on the armor of God. It's an armor of light. Again, a reference that he makes elsewhere, you know, in Ephesians chapter 6. 6, yes, 6. Put on the armor of God, it tells us there, right? The helmet of the free and gracious salvation of God Right, that keeps in view the full truth and the light of his coming. Right, we put on the helmet of our salvation, the breastplate of perfect imputed righteousness of Christ in which we stand morning by morning and day by day to wrap ourselves in the belt of truth according to his word, to put on the shoes of the gospel, to take up the shield of the faith, extinguishing the enemy's assaults on us, even as we take up the sword of the Spirit, right? He says, time to wake up and armor up every day. 1 Thessalonians 5, 5 and 6, it says this, you are all the children of light. You, my friends. Right? He says here, you are the children of light. God is light. In him is no darkness at all. And do you not know that you are the children of God, right? The children of light, he says. You're children then of the day in the full sunshine of his grace and his kingdom and his coming. So we're children of the day. Let it, we're not of the night. We're not of the darkness. So let us not sleep. Stop sleeping. Wake up as others are doing that. But you need to keep awake. You need to be sober. God is light. We're the children of light. We're given the armor of light so that we can in this world be a light. That they would see Christ in us as we put on Christ. Right? And it's not just his armor. He says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Right? Christ himself. What an image. 
What a privilege. What a power. What a, I don't know. It's hard to capture words for that. You are invited to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. You are called to put him on through faith, to take hold of Christ, to abide in him, in, by faith, drawing life and strength from him and, and, and all of the truths from him, our salvation and our righteousness and the truth and the gospel. John MacArthur says, the practical meaning of becoming like Christ can be understood through the simple imagery of putting on clothing. Sanctification is to be clothed with Christ. Right? More, more and more like Jesus. More and more to put him on, as I said, his righteousness and his character and, and his purposes and his kingdom and that we would love what he loves and be about the business that he's about, that we would prioritize what he prioritizes even as we embody his character and stand in his righteousness. Ephesians 4, and 24, it says this, put off your old self, Cast off the works of darkness. These belong to your former manner of life. When you are sleeping, right, it's corrupt through deceitful desires. Be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Put on the new self, the, the armor of light, Christ himself, which is created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. Put on the likeness of God, the light of righteousness. The first step to putting on Christ is to realize, it's to believe, it's to rest in the fact that you already have. That you already are. Right? That's the beauty of it. Galatians 3, 7, 27 says, For as many of you who were baptized into Christ, and that's pretty much everyone here, most everyone here, if you've done that, you have put on Christ. You already have. Right? This is the idea that sanctification is both past, present, and future. There's a sense in which you're already sanctified. If you're in Christ, you're set apart, you're holy, you're righteous. You've been sanctified. Well, then I'm being sanctified. Like in the present, like today, I'm going to try to cast off the works of darkness and put on more and more of Christ and his character in one day, right? It's future. When the coming, he says, that salvation, that full consummation, that full experience of his inheritance for us in Christ is still coming. Right? However far I get in sanctification now, it, it, it's already done. And yet it's, but what, what drives us in the present moment to put on is the fact that, in a sense, we are already put, we're already in it, we already have Christ, we are already in his righteousness. So he's saying, be who you are, live out the truth of your salvation, of your righteousness, of your service to Christ. We wake up in the mercies that are new every day. And every morning you cast off darkness. And you can do it because His mercies are new. Whatever yesterday held. You wake up in His mercies, cast off the works of darkness and put on again today the armor of light, the righteousness in which we stand. Put on Christ again. Bow the knee again. Serve Him again. This sanctification is daily enabling us to repent and to cast off and to believe and to put on and to press on. And to press on. My friends, the night is far gone. <laughs> Things are getting real. 
if you're paying attention. At least for us in America, for a lot of people, it's been real for a long time. But the night is far gone, and we're living in a providential moment. The moment is now. For us here in America, we've never had to fight. We've never had to pay the price of being a follower of Jesus. People all over the world and throughout all of history have been paying that price. The ultimate price at times. The loss of jobs, the loss of friends, the loss of life, the loss of so many things. And if you and I are going to live lives of faithfulness and allegiance to Jesus under growing pressure, do not be conformed to the pattern and the pressure of this world, but to be transformed, we're going to have to wake up and start to armor up. God says the hour has come. It's time to be sober and serious. It is, it is time to begin investing in the things that matter into our spiritual lives, being feeding our soul, feeding our spiritual life, and, and, and strengthening the church and, and its witness and its life in this world and advancing his kingdom to get serious. God used these words to awaken Augustine out of indecision, out of mixed priorities, changed his life, brought him to life, where he lived out the rest of his life, delivered from a life of self-indulgence into a, a life of service into Christ and his kingdom. My prayer is that, is that we will hear the voice of God this morning calling you out of your complacency, calling you out of wherever it is you are this morning as a frog in whatever kettle you're cooking in. Do you hear his voice saying, wake up, rise up. Now is the time, today is the day. It's a call that it won't go turn off. Maybe you've never fully given your life to Christ. Maybe you're like Augustine, you're, you're wrestling with that, that life that you don't want to let go of and you've never fully given your life to Christ. Maybe the time is now. Cast it off and to bow the knee to Jesus. To embrace Him by faith and to commit to know, love, and serve Him. Maybe you're simply grown complacent and self-indulgent and a little bit sleepy spiritually, a little half-hearted in the things of God. A.T. Pearson says, A major part of those who confess Christ as Savior have never yet awakened to the fact that He is their Lord also, master of their lives, that He owns their money, that He owns their properties, that He owns your possessions, that He owns your hands and your feet and your ears and your eyes, that they are His, that, that our children are His, that our homes are His, that our treasures are His. Are we awake and living in the full light of the coming of his kingdom as stewards of all of those good things. God says we know the time. This existential moment of opportunity and decision. I'll leave you with Ephesians 5 where Paul says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead in Christ will give you light. He will shine upon you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time because the days are evil, the night is far gone, and the day is at hand because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish. Understand what the Lord's will is. It's time to wake up, to armor up, to walk with Jesus. Pray with me. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word that is living and true and for this 
this call to our souls, Father, may we find ourselves on our knees like Augustine saying, how long? How long will we waver between two opinions? How long will we sit on the fence? How long will we be half asleep? How long will we serve ourselves in building our own kingdoms rather than serve you and begin to build your kingdom? How long before we'll bow the knee and confess Christ is indeed Lord? Will you get a hold of us this morning and have your way with us that we may be more fully, truly and completely yours? Awake, alert, armored up, serving our King, in whose name we pray, amen.